Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get in the Garage. We're a music podcast for music lovers. We've got a great show planned for you today, but before we begin, as always, please remember to like and comment and subscribe and share the podcast with all of your friends and family. Hit that little notification bell on the bottom, and don't forget to review us and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And I don't know if Spotify has that, but if it does, do that too. Today, we have a very special guest. He is one half of the band Pocket Vinyl from here, the great state of Connecticut. Him and his partner, Elizabeth Jansevich, make up the band Pocket Vinyl. Please welcome to Get in the Garage, Mr. Eric Stevenson. Welcome. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. We really appreciate you coming on today, man. <laughs> yeah. It, We're it, looking forward to this. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. Far too often, uh, these kind of things are a little short form stuff, and I'm, I'm excited to have just a long conversation yeah. about music and art. Absolutely. And we are excited to talk with Pocket Vinyl, who are going on a tour this summer. Uh, dates are right now. You will see them on the bottom of the screen. Oh, you should great. go to one. Um, you are also releasing a comic book um, about your 50-state tour. I kind of maybe wanted to start there because it kind of deals with touring, which you are going on, and your new project. Uh, before we even get further into it, uh, Pocket Vinyl have a new album out. Michael, can you grab that yes, for me? Yes, I will indeed. This album, You Never Say Goodbye, When You Leave, it's available now. You should purchase it. It is wonderful. It is right here. Wow. Thank you it's very much. It's streaming <laughs> everywhere. You can, uh, If you'd like a vinyl, you can get it through Bandcamp or at a show. Yes, and links will be down below. Um, so back to this comic book. You toured all 50 states and set a world record, and you have a comic book about it. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the comic book and Elizabeth and how she does the comic book that kind of, um, I would say, matches the life of your band? Yeah. Um, well, so for some quick context, so the band is mostly uh, myself and Elizabeth. I play piano and sing, and Elizabeth paints on stage. She makes a two-by-two-foot painting um, that are kind of similar to some of our album artwork and, and things. Um, and we auction those off after the show. We've been doing this uh, full-time since 2011, and uh, we played our thousandth show in November we yeah i don't know we've just kind of kept going with a small yet loyal and passionate fan base spread very thinly across the united states because <laughs> of all the touring uh we often joke that we can we can almost go anywhere in any town and like at least one to five people will show up and be super excited yeah. <laughs> we can't we don't have big draws in in a lot of places but there's we have little draws everywhere yeah um but yeah, so in 2019, we did a tour where we thought it would be a great idea to try to break the world record by playing a show in every state in the fastest amount of time. Everyone we knew told us accurately that it was a bad idea. <laughs> and we said, no, we disagree. So we booked it. We did it. Spoiler alert. We did it. <laughs> It's not official anywhere, so if you look at like Guinness or anything, it's not there because, well, the book, the book gets into it, but we didn't officially go by the rules. But in terms of playing a show uh, in fifty state, in every state in the fastest amount of time, we did it. In, the, the previous record was 50 days, and we did it in 44 days, uh, thir <laughs> yeah. 44 days 13 hours, and 50 minutes. Wow. What, what states did you hit like two states in one day? Oh, the first day was three. We had <laughs> Connecticut at one, Rhode Island at six, and Massachusetts at 11. 
And then uh, that was the only three day show. And then there were like a few others. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, we did like Kansas and Missouri. That oh, was right one there, day. Yeah. North and South Carolina. South Carolina mm-hmm. was a day. Uh, Indiana and Illinois were a day. Might have been one other one, but yeah. It um, anyway, it was a tour that we completely destroyed our mental health in the process. <laughs> I mean, just demolished it. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I remember actually, uh, you know, we listened to a lot of podcasts and stuff on right. the road, and there was uh, we were listening to this one called Heavyweight, which is the entire podcast is this guy meets people who need to get over like a childhood trauma and like helps them do that and like and then they record it anyway and this one person went to ask forgiveness from this other person and we were just like listening and i was kind of thinking of something else and then the person in the podcast was like hey i'm sorry and the person who they were saying sorry to said i forgive you and just like that i went to like cry and i remember we were like driving through utah it was like probably like nine (laughs) shows left or something and i was just like (laughs) and then i got to stop and i'm like what is wrong like it was just so everything was just right at the surface yeah. for like yeah it was rough um i had a panic attack on stage like after the the effects of which i'm still feeling to this day <laughs> so this was a van tour i assume oh no my friend this was a camry tour oh <laughs> well <laughs> this was in our question too pocket yeah. final has so many projects yeah. that you should check out they have a documentary maybe too much where they went on tour um, what's the name of this documentary? Uh, uh, Drive, Drive, Play, Sleep. Drive, Play, Sleep. If you're watching this on YouTube, you're really close to you're it. You're really yeah. close to it. And you still live oh, we'll on link Amazon in the description Prime, box but... below as well, so that yeah, way yeah, yeah. you can go ahead and click on it. Yeah, it bounced around a few other streaming sites, but you know, now it just lives on YouTube, and we're yeah. happy that it's there. Uh, I loved this movie so much, and uh, speaking of the car that you toured in, it, it shows all of the car or the car trouble that a, oh, yeah. a musician and band will go through, <laughs> um, and you are on a new car, so what car yeah. were you on? for this last tour what car are you using now this is a, a question uh, so we we're have. now in uh pocket vinyl like the mach 4 of uh <laughs> cars we've had in the last uh, about 13 years um we now have a subaru outback uh but for the for the 50 states tour we had a um blue 2003 camry uh, I mean, not to brag, but it was an LXE. Is that the, oh, one, with the, that was the one with the wood grain in it? it oh. Yeah, it oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it was. I mean, it was plastic, but it was. It looked like wood grain. Uh, it's good enough. Oh, it felt like it's driving a log cabin, maybe my it friend. Was a it was great. I think it was like a wood veneer, maybe. Yeah, it was. Um, it was awesome. I have to also comment on that documentary because I didn't even know you guys watched it. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. and did uh, you watch it? I did. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, he on, said man. it like yeah. you did. Um, it was just—it was so great, no, man. It, w- it was like I, like my wife and I, we we were, you know, uh, I think it was Monday, maybe. I was like, hey, uh, you know, Eric's coming on the podcast. Like, I want we want to watch this. She's like, oh yeah, let's watch it. You know, and we watched it, and man, it was like, it was so great. It was such a great thing to watch, and there was, there was, absolutely bleak moments and then there was like great sort of comic relief moments every time you'd hear the car skid and a crash and then car troubles would come on yeah, yeah. it was like that comic break that you needed because like things would get heavy for a second uh-huh. you know yeah um but watching that i i um it's it's a real good insight into this is what it really is because i think that a lot of people you know, I think it's easy to look at the idea of touring through sort of rose-colored lenses. Oh, it 100%. has this sort of romantic quality about, like, we're going to go on the road, and we're going to do this and that. But I think what people don't realize, it's that 
we're hanging up sheets over the windows in the car so that way yeah. some stranger doesn't come up to our car when we're sleeping in a Walmart parking lot. You know? And, like, yeah. that's not romantic at all. That's, like, no, scary. I had a, a friend who watched it, and he's like, he didn't know that we played some shows for free. He's like, I yeah. thought you always got paid. And I'm like, <laughs> no, 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 no. For no, no, love no. of the game, man. I mean, you know, you hope to sell some merch, and, and yeah. we have the the benefit of the painting that Elizabeth, Elizabeth does. We auction it off, and right. that usually gets yeah. you know we're again we've been able to make it our our full time careers for the most part. Right. Um. But yeah, it's you know it's funny that uh, the usual reaction to the film that we get is like people going, "That was pretty good." Like. And I get it. We filmed it on. It wasn't even like an a, a iPhone or anything. It was. It was like a tiny little, like a seventy dollar, uh, ca like camcorder thing mm -hmm. that I had bought. Uh, a, even like five years earlier than that. And we filmed as much as we could in two thousand sixteen. Um, and then it was we released the movie in two thousand seventeen. And it was kind of just like hit play, film as much as we can, and we'll find the movie later. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it looks like. It's it's you know basically a home video camera film, but uh, it's it's funny that the, and I mean I think this is something that uh, I think a lot of how do I put this uh, at this level of a being at a musician of kind of like small and stuff. Uh, it, it's it's I think just people underestimate. Uh, it's easy it's easy to assume that someone who is not super famous must not be doing good work. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And um, I think we all here know that that's not the case because I've some of my favorite bands we've played with and they've only released like one album then broke up and they're just like a group of four guys who made an amazing album that no one's ever heard of. And, yep. and uh, you know, to think of the band also making a movie, the track record with that isn't great. And But both Elizabeth and I, we kind of figured we, we knew our way around narrative and story um and and we would kind of know how to craft it through the footage and yeah. uh but it yeah it's just again i just always find it funny when people are like yeah it was like that that was good like i enjoyed my i wasn't like looking at my watch the whole time Ew. which yeah. again i've seen some other like videos that bands have tried to like put together because they think mm -hmm. them just like talking to the camera is interesting for an hour <laughs> and it's not and uh yeah I've but, seen yeah. so many music documentaries, and I'm not like this is like testimony to the camera, and <laughs> that it's top ten has to be. It Thank was you, man. it told the story of what you guys were telling in a way that like nobody tells the story because, like you yeah. said, it's under what we're like what you guys are doing is under is underground for a little for most people and to bring like what does it take to do this that's what it took to do it and you really showed it and like some movies try to do it in a certain light but it doesn't really get it and like well that's because we didn't have a film crew in it. i mean yes. it was just us hitting play around each other and um i think that helps like i don't know just like get in there and two it's yeah most other music documentaries have often been like you know, they're often about a famous band. Right. And, like, maybe the first, like, 15 minutes will be, like, when they were, like, struggling. And then it'll be, like, and then they got the attention of this person. And I'm always, like, how? How did that happen? Yeah. Tell me. Because it doesn't just... I don't know. Anyway, no. and so we wanted to show, like, what it's like. We also... Yeah, there were a lot of people who, when we talk about us touring, you could tell they... Like, whether it's family members or friends or whatever, like, if you don't, if you haven't been in that world, they don't really get it. And Elizabeth and I were kind of like, what if we, like, made a thing? We'd just be like, all right, watch this. That's what it is. And I will say, thankfully, 
from what I've heard of other musicians who've seen it, and whether it's like metal, hip hop, uh, other indie artists, folk, like whatever the and old and young and stuff, they all kind of seem to agree that it it kind of hits the points that at least for right now. Um, well, it's you know almost five years old now, but it, you know this current. <laughs> I, I, I think it's still relevant, but um, it that it it, it kind of hits what it's what it's like, and I know even some people who've showed it to family members would be like, "This is what I do." do. Yeah. Now, if, if you're if you're in a car, what like logistically do you have with you while you're touring? Do you have like a keyboard, microphone? canvases do you bring canvases do you buy them we don't use canvases we use a masonite board okay you we get a uh you go to a lowe's or home depot yeah you can get a four by eight uh huge and then just chop it up yourself well you can do it at at home depot they have a big chopping station we get that into then two by two eight two by two things paint those white and that's the thing a lot cheaper than canvas yeah yeah um and uh that travels much much better too but yeah no keyboard that i actually usually use microphones at the place okay um you know, merch, clothes. We, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, you just you Tetris it in and you kind of figure out a way to do it. Yeah. Uh, before we leave the, uh, <laughs> the documentary conversation, I just would like you to know that you, <laughs> Jade, uh, my wife, you, you gave her a bit of an anxiety attack because she's like, what do they do if they have to go to the dentist? Like the whole, like she's on like the edge of her seat the whole, she's, she's like, well, what do they do? Like how do the, what happens if somebody gets hurt? Like what are they, she was like so like anxious the whole time. And it's just so funny that like, you know, man, cause like she's, you know, she, she's, she plays music as well, but she, I wouldn't like say that she's like a gigging style, you know, oh, yeah. anything like that. My but, parents and her have very similar worries. Yeah. Well, that's because, well, you know, full, what's your 401 game Like we have a, <laughs> you know, we have a, we have a four year old and you know, it's not, I think it's like parent, maybe it's just parent uh-huh. brain or something, you know, but I, um. Two things I wanted to say. Firstly, uh, in watching that documentary, I just want you to know that we really fell in love with you guys, like wholeheartedly, because we're like, oh my, and we're watching it, and she's like, he he just loves her so much, and that just makes me so happy. And I'm like, I know, I because it did, because like we love love, I you do. know, and I'm yeah. like, yo, she, you know, they like they love each other. That's amazing, you know. Uh, and then also, man, Nissan Altima, bad call. What are you doing? Those cars suck. They're terrible. Oh yeah, Look. when you bought the Nissan Altima in I was the like, movie, no, not the you, like even the first scene, you were like, oh, I know oh, where this yo, is going. When yeah, you man. traded in the Corolla, <laughs> scene and, you're, and, and you're like, no, it was a Camry. Camry. The first Camry. one was a Camry. We went Camry. Uh, Camry, Altima, Camry, and now Subaru. Subaru. When you got the <sighs> Altima, I was like, oh, no. I was like, that's not going to go good. Because yeah, I've, I've had many friends who have had that model Altima, and the minute, 2002. I, saw it, the minute I saw it come on screen, I'm like, oh, those engines are trash. <laughs> or not really. Man. It's that. The Look, transmissions are bad. They have that CVT engine, I, that early I'm not CVT a car person. I've never been a gear per- Even my piano, like, I did enough research to know I have a Yamaha CP300. I know that. <laughs> I don't know any okay. stuff about gear. I know when you had Sline and those guys on, you talked about gear for a while. Yeah. That's not me. I'm not I'm not gonna have that conversation. I just Luke. don't like when I was into snowboarding when I was a kid, people would be like, I got a snowboard and they're like, Whoa, what what kind is it? I'm like, it's black. It's a flat <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It goes on the I, snow. I I'm just yeah. not and so yeah. with cars I've never been a I've just that hasn't been something that interests me. Yeah, yeah. And every one of our cars has pretty much been we got the first Camry through my family, got the Ultima through a guy on Craigslist. It was just bad move. Uh, got the second Camry through a, a hint of luck going into something that just got traded in, wasn't even out for sale yet, like at a dealer, but was used and they figured it was good price. And then recently our Subaru, I got again a good price through family. And so it's always like, yeah, the Ultima was the only one where I went out on my own. Uh, and yeah, it was terrible. But I mean, 
Yeah, again, with the price of the car and how much we put into it over six months in that movie, it was it was basically an $8,000 bit in the movie <laughs> is what we paid for. But I, I think it was kind of worth like in the long it run. Was I'm like, l- oh, no, it was good. It, it needed, was good. Yeah, it had those moments in the movie. Yeah. But that was the most expensive part of production was definitely that. <laughs> was, yeah. Besides that, I <laughs> think we spent $200 on the movie. Yeah. The car budget was outrageous. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. I don't know who was in charge of that, but they got fired for sure. Um, so, like, leading on to, like, what's going on now, you guys are touring. You did the 50 States tour. You're about to release um, a book about this. Um, Octo- on October 10th. October 10th. It's called How to Completely Lose Your Mind, colon, a graphic novel memoir of one indie band's attempt to break a world record. And It's very wordy. Our, our publisher says that's good for... I like, like it. It, it. Yeah, it like from a sales point of view, it makes sense. You want there's keywords in there. Mm-hmm. People for like googling as well as like if you pick it up and like you read the title, you get a vague sense. But like there's things like graphic novel memoir. The word novel is fiction. If it's a novel, it's it's fake. A graphic novel, fake fit. It's a graphic memoir. But they're it's like, fake, well, no fake. one knows what a graphic <laughs> memoir is. That sounds like it's like a like a porn star memoir or something like that. <laughs> so it's like graphic <laughs> novel memoir. So it's things like that that you know, don't make, yeah, yeah. you know you what I mean? But I get it. it. I get it marketing-wise, yeah. but yeah. I'm kind of like, eh, I don't know. Just, you know. Well, yeah. I wanted to kind of ask you, so seeing this more of like Elizabeth's side of the band, her Oh, project, I will say it's pre-order right now, too. You oh, yes, it's pre-order. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just Google it. Please. Um, I'll give you a that's uh, a more of like Elizabeth's project. So, how do you feel being like represented represented by her in a comic? Like, do you like look at the comic sometimes and be like, I don't remember it like that, or like you know, or like, oh, you felt that way, or like things like that? Is how do you feel as like being represented? Because that's her being like, this is what's going on in our band, and you're yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah well, the, so the this is the book is basically a long form version of her. Uh, comic which is called the Turing Test, which you can find like T O U R I N G. I think at the Turing Test everywhere. Um, yeah, and that's like a semi autobiographical thing about her life. Just a clue in. Mm-hmm. I know you all know. I'm letting them <laughs> for them. Yeah, you guys. This is how this all works. Uh, trying to do that. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so now you're in the know. Um, so yeah, well, the funny thing is, so that the whole comic. Sometimes Elizabeth will ask my perspective on things and I'll help her like form a joke and stuff. But for the most part, that's all like 100% her and like her perspective. Um, the book we did write together, uh, we kind of like wrote down everything we could remember every, each day from that tour. Um, and then we kind of realized the through line was the like the story was about how we lose our, you know, it's it's like the the plot is doing the world record, but the story is really about how we're losing our minds and the community that helped us get like limp to the end. Um, that's pretty much a long form version of the Turing test. And in the Turing test, I it's the only thing that's weird. I honestly like love it. I don't know my ego. It's whatever. It's attention. I always love attention. Uh, um, I, I love you in comic book form, by the way. It's, oh, it's very you <laughs> like just her. Like, I'm like, Oh yeah. Thank you. See, it's funny because I feel like in the comic, more often than not, I'm uh, my character's the the like the straight person to her. Yes, like she, you know what I mean. Like she's kind of like the silly one doing the joke. Whereas in like life, I was always like the class clown or something like that. And so I, it's funny that she almost casts me as a slightly different role. But then every once in a while, she does a really great job at like 
making the Eric character break that role in a good way. And um, yeah, but no, I love it. And she's never, it's never like mean or something. There's, you know, she never like does anything that's embarrassing. And if there's something that she thinks is online, she'll ask me. Yeah. And I think there's been like a few times that, well, has there been? No, I don't think there has been a time where I've like told her, no, don't do this or that. So I think usually actually I'm pitching her of like, hey, what if hey, the air character did this embarrassing <laughs> thing? Um, so like further into that question, um, I love the dynamic of the band where Elizabeth is painting, you're playing. And so I kind of wanted to like ask you maybe a little inside baseball, but are you like, no, does, you there. know, musicians kind of have like this conversation going that non-musicians don't really understand about where you kind of talking with each other in your head but you're not really saying words out loud like, oh, yeah, that's cool. This is that. Um, sure. Are you talking – is Elizabeth ever painting something that you are kind of like having an inside conversation on? Or like is is it ever – or really what I'm, I'm trying to ask you is like, you know, is she ever like make something that you know is like an j- inside joke to you or like maybe painting something that reflects you a little bit while you're playing? I know it has to do that naturally anyway, but is there ever like a little bit more of that going on or do you guys not talk about it? Um, no, we, I mean, yeah, you're, we're, you know, sharing glances, you're, you're reading each other, reading the room, like you're in constant communication with anyone you're on stage with. Um, Probably in the same way that, you know, you guys are all kind of in communication with each other right now in various ways of, of uh, uh, just doing the podcast. And stuff. Right. Um, and so there's that more like, you know, some people think like, oh, if like they ask, like when Eric's playing like a G minor, do you go like, oh, I'm going to use blue. blue. Like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like, da, 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 da. yeah, yeah it's, no, it's not like that. She she kind of says that she usually thinks up about 50 percent of an idea beforehand and then on stage figures out the rest of it the other 50 percent like kind of improvise it but then there's also been times where as soon as i play the first note she completely changes her mind and just goes and does something else so she is just good at following her intuition and look i don't know i don't know what i believe in terms of like why we're here and how everything is spiritually connected but i will say it is suspicious how often Elizabeth will paint something and someone will come up after the show and be like, oh, that looks like my cat that just passed away last week or that I had a dream of that whale last night or I had that like something where people and I know, you know, you can look at statistics and confirmation bias and she's, you know, painting animals and we all have that. Sure. But it's more fun to leave room open for like, for sure. I don't know oh, what's yeah. going on. And again, the amount of times that people like come up almost in tears of like, how did you know to paint that? And that's me or that like, I mean, even sometimes it's like, she'll like paint like, I don't know, like a squirrel and a deer somehow interacting with each other. She usually does animals things, but sometimes she does monsters and other stuff too. Um, but she'll do that. And then someone will come up and be like, that reminds me of my brother who died when he was five years old, 20 years ago. And I feel like this is me and him and stuff. And Elizabeth's just like, great. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's not wrong. You know what I mean? It's like that. Okay. But she, and you know, even she'll just be like, yeah, I don't know. That's just what I felt like I should have painted or like, she feels like the room is like, no, I need to do this. Yeah. I don't know. So it's, it's a, but I mean, yeah, we're we're definitely and we influence each other a lot in the long run. You know what I mean? Like in the the the, the you know, we're always we're almost always around each other, and so it it yeah, there there's that, but it it, it doesn't happen. 
it's on a bigger scale than you I, just like in, within a song or something. No, I love like how how you, like you answered that question because you kind of put it into my head the way I wasn't really thinking about it because I'm thinking, you know, it's the performance. It's happening right there. I love where you're just like, no, that painting might be for another reason that we don't really know about, you know? Well, and uh, yeah. that to me is like a whole – I was that, uh, something I didn't even think of, and I think that's like another beautiful element because I'm like thinking, I'm like, okay, it's more of like this kind of conceptual thing, and you're just like, no, nah, it's way more brought out, and I'm like, oh, it's, I get that, and it's more that makes me think like, oh, it's more. It, it, yeah. I definitely love that statement. W one of the more beautiful things that Elizabeth ever said to me, which I feel this is with music too, is she often feels like, and if you don't get, I know everyone in this room will, but it sounds kind of like pretentious or whatever if if you're not a creative person but she often describes that she feels like her paintings are more like what she's like wiping away fog from a window revealing what was there the whole time rather than like putting it on there which i i mean i have to feel like the best pocket vinyl songs i feel like i found them more than i wrote them um the bad ones i wrote but the like the really good ones <laughs> i feel like you just it's like you find a gold nugget in a cave you know what i mean and mm -hmm. and uh it's yeah, I don't know. I just, but I remember that was kind of early in our relationship. I think she said that, and I, I remember just being like, "Oh, we're like on the same wavelength in terms of how we kind of approach things." But yeah, um, no, please. I was gonna, well, I was gonna say it's that it's that story. You ever hear the story of the music stand maker where they ask him how he makes music stands, and he says, "Oh, I just go out into the forest and I find a piece of wood, and then I just chip the wood away until the music stand appears oh, in yeah, front of me." Okay, it's like yeah, that. Yeah. It's that same thing. It's that same. And I think your music. Musically now, if we can talk a bit about music as well, I think that you're well, you know, king of the segue. <laughs> Sorry, uh, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> but but I'm saying so. Like you I guys watched, are professionals. I watched that. Hey baby, you know, front. It's uh, <laughs> showbiz, baby. Um, so I watched the interview with you with um uh, for the day where you're talking about sort of like the music writing oh, process yeah, yeah, the, and all yeah, that yeah. sort of stuff, and um. I think that your music has this thing where you, you were talking about one thing that I, I really did love, and it was the idea of saying the phrase, oh my god, and how oh that, was, god. that was that yeah. was sort of this thing that was like, it was, you know, you can't say that. Mm -hmm. It's for growing up, you can't say that. That yeah. was, that, you know, that thing. Like, and I noticed that through listening to the music and stuff that there are a lot of more... There's bigger ideas at work within your lyrical content and what like the statement that you're trying to make. You had a you have a song called "Be Here Now" and we're like I don't know if that's a tip of the hat to Ram Dass, but we're like we're like Ram Dass. Yeah, heads. no, I, I I read "Be Here Now" and that song was uh, sort of a direct of me trying to be present and failing at meditation. And yeah, that, that's that song is about <laughs> failing in meditation. Yeah, well. yeah. Uh, and I'm a chronic meditative fail uh, failure myself, yeah, so I, I hear that. Me too. <laughs> uh, yeah, and. I, I noticed that too is a lot of like that kind of stuff. Um, do you how is that how you kind of like wrestle with with those things? Is like kind of writing them out and being like, is that how I feel? That's because it takes a lot of it takes a lot of guts to like come out and be like, this is how I feel about this, or I'm unsure about this feeling, especially when you're talking about things like such as spirit spirituality and and, and you know things of that nature. And trying to find I, yourself. I don't know if it's like. See, I wouldn't describe it from my perspective as as having guts or anything. I from what I understand, ever since I was a little kid, it is not hard for me to express emotions and like to feel things. Um there's certainly things I've 
pressed down and and through therapy and stuff have, have you know understood stuff but for the most part like i remember having a conversation in high school with a friend and i was just like ah, i love you and they're just like ah, i can't believe you can just say that so freely and i was like what are you talking about you just say i love you and you express that to the person and then yeah. they look back at you happy and everyone wins like why yeah. not express that all the time and so yeah there's been times where people have been like oh with like talking about like the spirituality stuff or or i don't know the meditation like that it i'm interested in that stuff and obviously i want to talk about it but it 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 doesn't feel like a well, how do I put this? It's not that it doesn't feel like a risk. I don't know how to say it other than it's I, I think <laughs> I think your admiration of my bravery is misplaced <laughs> is all I mean to say is that it, it's more of just it, it just makes sense to me to talk about it. Like it doesn't yeah. it doesn't necessarily feel yeah I'm, it is vulnerable in a way, but like I don't know. I mean, also, too, we're talking like, you know, I think the first time I brought up spirituality and like God and my experience with theology and stuff in a song was like, you know, over a decade ago now. And so I, part of me is wondering how much of it I'm just I'm just immune to that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't feel as like I remember there's one song uh, called Foggy Mess. It's an older one of ours that a lot of people responded to. And I remember when I wrote it, I did feel it's kind of a summary of, of where I've been with like theology up till that point and when i wrote it it was kind of it it felt i was a little worried about people hearing it and judging me and stuff but it, it's i found that sometimes the more specific you are about something and like esoteric that it's the more you realize it's a real broad subject and like we that song itself foggy mess has probably gotten us more fans than than almost any other single song like in terms of people coming up to us after a show talking to us and stuff about and like bringing it up by name well, I I love that. I'm going to say personally, I when I listen to it, I feel like a certain kind of like, oh, I would personally be like, oh, I don't know if like I want people to know how I feel about that. You know what I mean? Cause, uh, yeah, but, and, yeah, and that's I, why I, I, I love that. And it's just you're and for you to be like, no, that's just who I am. Even more of an expression I, of I mean, like, I don't say that as like a braggy. It, it, it's no, just, it's it's different strokes, different folks kind of thing. Because it's like yeah. when I listen to it, I hear I hear you, and I'm like, oh yeah, I relate a lot to those, uh-huh. you know. But then on the other front, I'm like, yeah. oh, I would be, you know. Well, to to speak to what Luke is saying, I think, like personally, I identify more with what you're saying than with what Luke is saying. Because mm. I'm a guy who like tells my friends I love them and yeah. will talk about like the Bhagavad Gita to a stranger and like Whereas Luke over here doesn't tell anyone he loves ta- no, no. Luke's, yeah. Luke's, Luke hangs out here in the basement he spins his records that's what and you're implying goes, right yes. yeah, no, no. I know. but you know what I'm saying though because I, 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 I get where you're coming from though because like that I think it's that thing where it's like at least speaking from my perspective is that like it's the only conversation to have man because oh, it's yeah, like we're yeah, talking. Because yeah. it's like this is what this is what it's all about. Like we're all just trying to figure out what we're all doing on this rock in yeah. the middle of you know what? eternity. Anyway, so like, what else is there to talk about? You know what I mean? And and having that conversation, I think through music can maybe allow people who don't really want to talk about that kind of stuff have the ability to tap into those ideas and go, oh wait, yeah, you know what? Like that's an interesting point or oh i yeah. never thought of it that way you know like that kind yeah. of thing you know and, and i will say that it, it's not I, I don't mean to imply that i feel like we haven't been taking risks i mean like so yeah we've released a number of albums um at this point and and our third album was called death anxiety that's what foggy messes on but it was all about uh 
songs about death from like a trying to be a non-depressing point of view and more mm. just like a curious and wondering and stuff. Um, and then, you know, and that felt vulnerable for a little bit and then it stopped being vulnerable because we just did it for so long. And then we made an album of all very soft songs because I thought, well, maybe it's vulnerable to play very quiet songs and like loud bars and try to see if we could get people to still pay attention to us, almost like daring them in a way. Mm. Uh, and then after that, we made an album, Uncomfortably Unsure, all about uh, sex and sexuality, which is stuff that that was, that felt, probably at like the time of release the most vulnerable thing because i growing up in like a, a religious household i just had a, a lot of hang-ups about sex and sexuality and and i mean even to this day like i know i'm like a thin spindly little noodle arm guy but like body dysmorphia and and being worried about my weight or my face my hair like mm. uh i don't, just which i kind of consider that all like looks and stuff to be in kind of the sexual realm yeah, um sure. that it, it's it's all uh i don't know it's it just like that felt vulnerable and then and then i thought like well it's easy to write songs about conflict and so what if we wrote a, a whole so album of happy songs that sounds like a challenge and kind of vulnerable to write non-cheesy happy songs and yeah. that ended up being an album all about hope that we made called uh uh winter person that we released in the first year of the pandemic and then this new album we tried not to have a theme but then when i kind of like we wrote all the songs and took a step back we realized that they were all more or less like angry prayers from a person who doesn't know what the future holds which is clearly influenced by the pandemic but at the same time it's weird because the the new album is is one that i've like people have listened to and come up to me at shows and like i talking to them about that they seem to understand the album better than i do <laughs> and where all the other ones have been like uh, there's a theme and we go for it and stuff i feel like i'm still like unpacking it in a way that you know like there's the meditation song be here now and stuff and there's some other stuff but like it still feels i don't know anyway so it's i still feel like vulnerable but again yeah to not talk about it, it just it seems obvious to talk about right these right. things like it, it i don't know well My, since, since we're talking about lyrical content yeah. and themes um are do you have any specific influences that uh, helped you like find your voice or write the songs that you write or piano stylings, you know, chords and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the kind of like realms you are in musically. Do you have any like touchstones of like these are the artists that kind of like showed the light to get to myself to express myself? I will say just about every pocket vinyl song starts with me trying to rip off someone. I think every single song is <laughs> just like me being like, that's a cool David Bowie song. Sure, and then sure. I like try. And then by the time we get to the, the final version, it's nothing like mm -hmm. where it started. But um, I will say Radiohead, probably with mm -hmm. a bullet, is uh, my favorite band. Um, Beck was very influential. Yeah, yeah. And Beck was also someone who, uh, Radiohead too, but I think Beck more so, where like almost every album is like a different yeah, thing. Over, yeah. And that's kind of what... You know, now that we're, if you count every, like we have a Patreon album, a B-Sides album, a, a, we have a hidden album. We have a few other things that, uh, this is our 10th album. And it, you know, it's how many people are interested in hearing the same thing over and right, over again. Right. And while we are a piano band and there's kind of that element to it, although I would like to do an album with absolutely no piano on it someday. Who knows? Um, it, uh, I completely lost my train of thought there. Sorry. Artist touchstone. That, yes, that's yeah. it. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. Like I said, it's mental health stuff. Really going from 2019. <laughs> it's still echoing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like Ray had that. Uh, uh, you know, people that often will uh, compare me to either 
Ben Folds, Elton John, or Billy Joel, all I think because I play the piano, and there's sure. no one else who's a male uh, who's been like a huge piano person besides them. Um, I think uh, women in the last 15 years have been destroying the piano rock, mm-hmm. like Fiona Apple, Regina Spector, Amanda Palmer, um, the, uh, there's countless others that, that have been amazing and stuff, and I love it every once in a while that I get compared to them, but... Because I'm a guy, I often don't. People don't think to. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know, like those. But it's it's also, I mean, just you know, the other day I heard this Beatles song that I hadn't heard before, and I then later that night I sat down and just tried to rip it off and kind of made something that will probably be something in the what future. What song was it? Uh, Real Love that came out in '96. Yeah, the. Do you uh, know about this? Yeah, I the, did. I just found out the other day. The Lennon, uh, they went on the anthology album. Yeah, it's Real oh. Love, and the other one's Freeze a Burn. The Lennon demos oh. that got yeah. Yeah, they, oh, and, and in those. the '90s, I didn't know this, but the this, the other three Beatles got together and like recorded oh, over it. it. Oh. Yeah. And it was just a Beatles song that came wow. out in the '90s that I was like, how did I not know about this? <laughs> and it was beautiful. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and so it, I don't know, but then sometimes you're just like. I don't know. You just see a good movie or something. Yeah. And then Is it always only and... piano? Do you uh, use other sounds on the keyboard? Do you use electric pianos or organs? There's one like song uh, called Brittle Wolf that live all use a this like kind of a Rhodes type mm-hmm. sound. But now nah, for the most part, I'm I'm not I'm not a like a keyboardist or, yeah, yeah. or a synth guy. Sure. Like we've used a lot of synths in our music, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think. I don't know. The piano just seems so. The sound of it mm. is so rich. I think within the context of of rock and stuff, it is is mm. uh, very like one direction. Like mm. I mean, for ever since Ben Folds kind of came to the scene and Ben Folds Five, any other piano band that you've ever heard of sounds like right. Ben Folds Five, right, yeah. uh, and that stopped being the case maybe like seven years ago. Mm. To where, um, and Pocket Vinyl's guilty of that too, especially mm-hmm. our earlier stuff. Um, but it, it, there's just so many ways. I mean, think of how many ways you can play a guitar. Sure. Like, I would argue there's just as many playing a piano, but uh, often it's like, you know, that or just like a, a bump, 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 like that. If someone else in a pop song or whatever uses it, it it's it, there's, there's just kind of a few linear ways of thinking, which are great tools, and we have plenty of pocket vinyl songs that use those things too but uh i just think there's a lot more to explore there and and i i've i've sometimes i get frustrated when you can't find something but i've yet to to be even close to bored by what the piano can do in my opinion anyway uh you guys have been working like the full band in more and more and more yeah um the new album to me uh it has like a like kind of like some exciting elements of like progginess that i Mm. i really enjoy um so I kind of wanted to ask, is that, is, do you like write a song and save it ever for like, that's going to go on a record that more sounds like this or like, have you saved a song for a long time, not knowing where it was going to go up? Cause you kind of said you theme a lot of things or are you like in the moment I'm working on these, this is what I'm working on. There are a few. So at the moment, um, we are, even though we just released this album, we are also working with. Uh, uh, Tim Donnell and Jay Silva. Tim, who's a friend of the podcast. Who's yeah, shout on, out Tim. Yeah, uh, who's on with the Sline uh, and the Family Stone. He's in there. Um, and Jay Silva, we've actually, I've been trying to write 
with them and they've kind of had uh, 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 their input on songs and we're hopefully before sometime before the end of the year uh, going to be trying to record an album of that which will kind of be more of a, a in my mind anyway like a, a, a garage band version of like not the program but the actual no, I know what you're saying. genre <laughs> I guess uh, of like pocket vinyl records um, and I mean with those and then like yeah there's a uh, Here's the thing. So yeah, sometimes it's I like you know. Oh well, these are like more upbeat songs, or, or this one go. Oh, maybe maybe with this thing. But usually it's like no. Okay, we're writing about death now, and okay, so then every song I'm working on, the lyrics are going to be going like that. Also, uh, and Elizabeth and I were just talking about this. I don't. I feel like sometimes if if you do that and say like oh well, oh this sounds good, but like I think it'd be better for this or whatever. It's almost like admitting to yourself that you you won't make something that good again. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. if like saving it, and it's it's one thing to like organize stuff you're working on, but it's it's another to be like, oh, well, I'm gonna save this for like another because like that, and I I don't or like another project or something, and I I don't ever want to do that because I feel like you you're like telling yourself that like oh well I might not do this good again, yeah. and I don't I don't want to I don't want to feel that way. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you you said that you said this great line too in that uh, in that video with the day where you're like, I used to. It was something I'm paraphrasing here, but you were saying something along the lines of like, I used to think that creativity was this thing that you had to like wait around and like find inspiration to be creative, but you found that creativity is actually something that you like you f- you can kind of like force it out of yourself by oh, yeah. like sort of relentlessly pursuing your craft yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. thing. And I, I think our our best song, I think. Uh, since I think I really started doing that uh, uh, by our probably with our fourth album Tin and that was back in 2014 15 mm-hmm. um, and since then almost all of our yeah I'll like for a month or something I'll be like alright every day I'm going to write something whether it's chord progression a riff even just a line of lyrics just something every day mm. and then you just force yourself to that and and yeah, it you know it's like running or whatever. You, at first, it might feels a little tight and kind of weird, and it's not the best stuff. But then, by the time you get to day thirty and you look back at what you have, all, all, I'd say most, if not all, of our best songs have come from that. There's still times of inspiration where you're just kind of like feeling some, and you just kind of like sit down and, and you find it. But um, now, nah, for the most part, yeah, I found that that creativity is a is a is a beast that can be wrangled, not mm. one that you are uh, like beholden to. Right. Yeah, and I yeah. just it's ever since I I discovered that I felt one I've just felt a lot more productive, which is part of the reason why I think too we like have been releasing albums. We made the movie. We're making the graphic novel. We even have these two books, our collections of Elizabeth's Turing test stuff. She posts them online. Uh, there's, I mean, yeah, we break world records. We're going on tour this summer. It's funny when you say you're going on tour because in my mind I'm like, well, yeah, we're always about to go on tour like (laughs) it's as soon as we get back and usually during the tour we're like already planning the next one and um even like right now i'm 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 in dates for the fall for uh, doing bookstores and libraries and stuff to um to promote the book and so it's it's uh i don't know it's just always when you realize that you're in control of creativity more than i think like culture is is made us led to believe it it just opens up a whole wide gate of what you understand you're capable of right there was this um there was this great part too in you know i'm I'm referencing videos and documentaries and things here but there was a part of the documentary that i love too man where you're like i'm standing here in this long hallway 
and I'm about to go play this show. It was in Richmond, Virginia. And I do, and you just like you just look so defeated, and you're like, I do not want to play this show, but I'm gonna go play this show, and I'm gonna make it look like I want to be there, and the people are gonna think that I want to be there, but I do not want to do this. Uh-huh. Do you find that like on the other end of that, right? There's gotta be some sort of like, you know, like that. There's it's that it's that that it's like these necessary hurdles that you have to kind of overcome and jump over and then like when you come out of the other side of that you know it's that thing where you're like yeah i don't want to go to the gym and then you go to the gym and you work out and you come out and you're like no it's good that i went to the gym you know oh, yeah. like that so I, like would you say that those shows are even more critical like those are like some of the most important ones like the like the bad shows or the shows you really don't want to do or do you find they kind of you know what i mean like um i found that attitude is a big factor and we've played some shows to like a hundred people who no one cares or is paying attention and doesn't give you the time of day or anything afterwards and the painting doesn't go for very much and it you know and then we played some shows to five people and they all buy a bunch of mercs and we walk out with like 500 bucks yeah. afterwards um it's quality not quantity when it comes to an audience and you honestly never know who's there who will connect with what you do and that show in particular that you're referencing yeah i remember it and it turned out great it was fine yeah we had we played with a local they probably brought out like five to ten people this guy named justin golden who we actually interviewed he's in the movie too um and uh yeah i remember it 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 wasn't like the best show ever but like if if you just kind of do your thing and you kind of believe in what you're doing even when you don't want to do it also i will say that there is a certain point when you've done this enough that i mean you can kind of like there's shows where i feel like i played horribly and did bad and then afterwards people come up and they go that was so great and you're just like (laughs) okay and i've learned to just not argue with them you know and you're just like Yeah. yeah sure fine but uh so I, th- I think there's like maybe uh, you know just a, a bit of muscle memory of yeah. of what you know you want the show to be that your body kind of will do, but um, yeah I don't know it's again it this, there have been the amount of times that you're like oh this is a bad show or like this looks like it'll be a bad show and then it turns out to be a bad show is is far fewer than the ones that look like they're going to be a bad show and you're like okay but let's still do our best and you do and then it turns out into a great show yeah yeah. It's very exciting. Are you? Um, so you're doing book bookstores this fall? Trying to, yeah. It's a it's a whole other world trying to book bookstores. Well, <laughs> I kind of wanted to ask you, like, or libraries as we call them. Yeah, yes, libraries. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, a good Alex inside joke over here. You know, there's a difference, right? <laughs> Is there? <laughs> We're talking about libraries. I was like, yeah, like books a million. We're like, that's not a library. <laughs> <laughs> said you could take out books from there. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. We love you. We love you. We're just busted stones. The page oh. master over here. We have to say it. <laughs> the page master. Um, so that's why I kind of wanted to ask you, uh, are you um, excited to be playing these bookstores? Or do you think it's going to be like a different um, kind of whole nother adventure for the band? I and, hope so. Um and where uh, kind of are you going to be playing? Do you know yet? So the book comes out October 10th. We know on October 7th, if anyone's watching this locally, uh, we're going to be doing kind of a pre-release thing at Savoy uh, Bookstore in Westerly, Rhode Island, which is not too far from here. Okay. Um, Great bookstore. And that was actually, we played there while we're doing that, is there in the book, because that was the Rhode Island date. Um 
for the that whole 50 states tour and then on the day october 10th we're going to be playing at the telegraph which that we played there for the connecticut show on the tour and that's a tuesday and then um pretty much from there we're going to go all the way across all the northern states well i guess the other way if you're looking on a map from (laughs) uh but we're going to go all the way to the west coast to seattle uh and and hit kind of portland oregon and then kind of come back uh, probably about five weeks or so. I'm still in the middle of kind of booking it. And um, and then in December, we're doing a lot of like more local stuff um, in New England. And in January, February, as that gets closer, we're hopefully going to be doing the south and, and all the way to California and back. And our hope is to try to kind of within the first year of the book release uh, hit, you know, almost every, if not every state in the lower 48. Nice. Just kind of like we did. Yeah. We did have an idea of trying to do a book tour of uh, of libraries or bookstores um, and do that in 50, all 50 states in 45 days to promote the book, like do the thing again, <laughs> which we thought we were like, wouldn't that be funny if we released this book about completely destroying our mental health of playing a show in every state and then we did it again <laughs> to promote the book? I would um, be so afraid for you. <laughs> yeah, no, well, do you like, know why, why what broke that idea was not us. It was we told that to the the publisher uh who's putting this actually too like most of the stuff we've done is all like self you know release and self-published stuff but this is the first time with this book we're working with the publisher and we like told them and they just like on the zoom call were like oh um i don't know if that's such a like they they were like clearly like we can always type up an epilogue about how you (laughs) lost your minds again it's only one more piece of paper (laughs) well then we found out too that after that zoom call they got back on with our literary agent who is part of that and we're just like do they they can't do that like they like which is i mean which is kind of funny because we're like we could we could do it we did it we we wrote a book there's proof we did it i don't know why but yeah, then we kind of thought about it more after that reaction. We're like, eh, it's probably best we don't try to do that. Again. <laughs> Looking out for your best interest at yeah. heart. Yeah. But we were like, yeah, but they won't be late shows. They'll be like at five or six, you know, at night, like at bookstores and stuff. We won't. It'll be so much easier because we'll yeah, get because you have to drive through the night every <laughs> night. <laughs> it like, makes it so much worse. Yeah, that was another wrinkle that I'm sure we would have figured out. <laughs> I I love this so much. Yeah. Um, and so going in, you've played bookstores before. Do you, um, are you going to bring in the full band out? Or are you just going to kind of no. do the, the, the two? Yeah, just because the, the book was just the duo uh, of us. We're, we're pretty much like we still have um, a, a good portion of the tour coming up is full band. And we have some, um, uh, we're playing like a Strange Brew in August again, full band and stuff like that. But for the most part, uh, we'll be just doing the duo stuff once the book comes out for for a little while it's very very exciting um and just just for point of reference uh on this day how many shows have you played i mean uh, <laughs> i know not to put i'm sorry no, to put you on the, the spot. no the thousandth one was in november yes that was that strange brew that we came yeah we were that i would there. guess somewhere in the 1030s or 1040s hmm. at this point was it june 7th June 6th? Yes. Yeah, June 7th. June 7th. Um, yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we were hitting a good clip for about a, a 100 shows a year, um, like on average. When we filmed the movie wow. to get footage, we did 136, which that was that was rough. That was the of me like, I don't want to be here. So that yeah, was like yeah. show 128 <laughs> or something like yeah. that where I'm just like, I'm done well, doing I, uh, this. 
I commend you guys for uh, for your endurance, man, because that is not that's not for the faint of heart. Luke and I were talking about it. I think it was yesterday morning, maybe. And we're like, th- it should be a requirement for every new band who wants to go on a tour to watch this documentary. <laughs> like, this is like necessary viewing for all young aspiring musicians to what just are- be like. This is what it really is. <laughs> you one, know of our, I mean? one of our favorite things, we did a, a, a tour where we went and showed that at like bars <laughs> and stuff with like TVs and things. Uh, and we had this one show where like, uh, you know, like young, younger college age kid like came up to us and was just like after the film and was like, man, that movie like made me want to start a band. And we we're just like, oh, wow, that's so cool. Like <laughs> we're influencing these people. Oh, that's yeah. so cool that we can put that in the world. And like five minutes later, someone like same age stuff came up and was like, man, that made me never want to start a band. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I think we did exactly what we set out to do. Like we didn't want to glorify it. We just wanted to factually show it. And depending on what your brain chemistry is at, you can be like, that's awesome. Or like, this is horrible. Like I would never want to do this. I mean, but it was great too because you were like, this is the different types of venues. This is the different styles of payment. This is the, th- you know, like, so. Yeah, we try to just spell it out. It was as, so as, informative, too. And it's like, yeah. oh, this is such a great resource. If yeah. anything, you know, just a great resource to just understanding how everything works, you know. Well, and that's, too, with the, so, one, like, the the new graphic novel, it, you know, the title, How to Completely Lose Your Mind, there's a lot of how-to pages of, like, of like packing the car, packing your clothes, how to eat, how to play a show to five people, how to do like a lot of stuff that we've even talked about that we kind of put into the story. And then like as the story and the mental health goes, it kind of the it, it the, the fourth wall breaking like the book kind of does that uh, quite a bit and, and goes into all that. Um, but, it, you know, <laughs> it's it's funny to me and you're not the first to say this, but when you're like, oh, it's impre- your endurance, like impressive or whatever. And it. <laughs> Kind of like what you said of like, oh, there's like vulnerable and stuff. Like it, I would say that there's a there's a misunderstanding <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. of Elizabeth and I. It, it's it's like we feel like we don't have a choice. Like there's something in our our brains or what, what do you call it? Passion or drive or mental illness. There's something that's like, but we gotta play the show. And you know, some of that, some of that, like when you're like, I don't want to do this. There's still that thing in you that's like. But you you have to, and right. I mean whether it's trauma <laughs> from like a, of of needing attention or like an ego thing or I, I don't know, but you know I've heard uh, I don't know I've, I've there's a stand up comedian some I forget who but who had some like famous thing where someone asked them like oh like yeah I I want to do it or it was hard or like doing stand up comedy and they're like oh you don't do it because you think you have something to say you do it because you feel like you have no other choice mm. and that it it feels the same way yeah. so I I don't think it's our endurance that needs praising as as much as just it's I, I don't know it's just a thing that thankfully we're we're blessed to have and I think yeah. you know I know a lot of talented bands who try to go on tour and do it and they they it just they don't. Not to say that they're less passionate about their music or whatever, but like whatever that thing is that just drives you to to go play shows. And it also does help that we're like married, we're together, we're there's not like I mean we have cats that we miss, but there there's not like a loved one back home. You know what I mean? So yeah, if you're yeah. on so that certainly helps. But yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a it's a thing that you can't help but but do. Um that it just it often feels like I have no choice. <laughs> yeah. Well said, well said. Um 
Before we wrap up, Eric, can oh, you give us right. give us some like ats of where we can find you, where you yes. can find your music, um, band camps, websites, streaming, vinyl, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We really lucked out with a band name. There is nothing else called Pocket oh. Vinyl on the internet except for us. Except every once in a while, uh, I'll get Google alerts for Pocket Vinyl protectors. Vinyl pocket protect, yeah. <laughs> but besides I- that, merch idea. Any, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're big in the polo game. You're going to libraries. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't know. If you're Spotify or Bandcamp or Google or whatever, just put in pocket vinyl. You'll find us. All social medias. All there's. Yeah. We have too many inboxes that we have to check. Too many. Thi- there's too much stuff. There's too many things to look into. No matter how much music you listen to of us, there's always one more. Beatles song in the '90s that we haven't released that you won't find. <laughs> there's all it's it's there's there's almost too much stuff. Take it slow, but you'll I don't know. There's a lot of stuff to find, and yeah. so any yeah any physical stuff. Come to a show or, or uh, on Bandcamp. Most of it's there. I think uh, this awesome. is going to be a plea from a host here. Uh, we love Pocket Vinyl. You should go to a Pocket Vinyl show. We are proud of them. They are from New London, which is close to our home over here, and they've been doing it for you know forever it's who they are and um i hope pocket vinyl is here for another 13 or 20 years and we could have a a full career so um i just want to say you know thank you for being a band and thank you for coming on this podcast and uh thank you for never stopping what you're doing it's uh inspirational to all of us so yeah well, thank you you're very here. much. Yeah. Thanks for no, joining us, Eric. Thanks for, thank you. for being yeah, here. And yeah. you're always welcome back. Anytime. Absolutely. Wait, thanks, Anytime. Elizabeth, too. You have, mean, thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, Elizabeth. You have a home. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for being here. Yes, yeah, so thank you, Elizabeth, too. And happy Pride Month to everyone out there, Yes, too. yes. Happy we'll Pride see you guys everyone. next time. Bye, guys. Bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Get in the Garage. We're the music podcast. For music lovers. We have got a great episode planned here for you. But before we begin, as always, please remember to like, comment, subscribe, and share the podcast with all of your friends and your family. And this week's special guest listener, suggested listener is? Uh, I don't know. I didn't have one prepared. I didn't think we were doing this. Oh, we're not doing Someone this? who is not prepared. We're halfway. So, oh. we're, at this point, we're going to be halfway through a show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So. Well, it is what it is. Someone who's not prepared. <laughs> Someone who's not prepared. Yes. Tell uh, maybe a procrastinator in uh, your life. Oh, uh, yes. Well, I'm right here, Luke. Don't well. Be... <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jeff, would you like to, uh, to to usher us into this? Uh, sure. Today we are discussing a new album. We are reviewing the new Foo Fighters album. It's called But Here We Are. This is their 11th studio album. It is the first studio album since the death of their longtime drummer, Taylor Hawkins, in spring of 2022. This album is produced by the band, Six Piece Band, and super producer Greg Kirsten, who has behi- been behind the board of a bunch of albums that we've reviewed as of late. He works with Adele, he works with Pink, he works with Sia, he works with Everybody Under the Sun, it seems like these days. This album is 10 tracks long, is 48 minutes long. Um, I enjoyed this album as a kind of statement after the death of a longtime member of the band. Mm. Uh, It has some pop sparkle. It has a lot of emotions and heartfelt things on it. Uh, I enjoyed this album. What did you guys think about this album? Uh, I think this is like classic Foo Fighters sound. Um, The last couple records that they had put out kind of had lost me a little bit. It was kind of... 
you know, just not my deal and kind of like a little bit of like um the same kind of sound. But this kind of, for me, feels uh, rejuvenated. Um, a lot of old school, like 90s Foo Fighters uh, things on here that I've been really enjoying, like uh, touch, touch points. Um, like Jeff said, I really like that this dealt with the kind of theme of loss and grief. Um, not even from just uh, Taylor Hawkins, but his own uh, Dave Grohl's mother uh, passed away. And so it's reflecting on uh, both of those losses. And I, I think it, it themed the record in a way that um, Foo Fighters really um, needed a good, like, thematically great record um, to come out. And I think they, uh, they really nailed it with this one. I like a lot of the things on it. Not crazy about the production style Foo Fighters chooses to use um, on a lot of their records, including this one. But the strong um, sense of songwriting and um, theme really just added it all together for me where I thought that was kind of like, you know, I, not not really a big deal. Yeah, I think for me, Foo Fighters was always a band that I, I wanted to like and I couldn't quite get to the place where I f would say I am a Foo Fighters fan, right? I, I know the hits. And I enjoy the hits, but I agree with Luke in the way that I think maybe, and we'll get into the weeds a little bit more as we start getting into the track listing, but maybe I think it's a bit of that production style, a bit of the sort of choice that Dave Grohl goes into as far as how he likes to record his vocals, which is sort of this thing that he always does, which is this doubled up vocal style that I think is like you either love it or you hate it maybe. Uh, there's plenty of artists that are known for doing it, um, but for me that has kind of always been a deterrent. This album, however, for me, is kind of like me going, oh, okay, like, I feel like this is an approachable record. I enjoyed it. I think it's a solid record, 48 minutes, not too long, not too, too short either. It's kind of like sits right in that sweet spot that we always talk about between a half an hour and 45 minutes, 48 minutes, you know, what's another couple minutes? Um, when I think of Foo Fighters, this, the way this record sounds is how Foo Fighters sort of sounds in my head. And I'm saying that based off of sort of the 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 small sort of experiences that I've had with Foo Fighters as a whole because, like I said, I'm a hits guy. I'm a greatest hits kind of Foo Fighters guy. I don't really deep dive into the B-sides, the deep cuts, and all that kind of stuff. But I felt like there – I don't really feel like there was a dud on this record. I felt like every song was – pretty solid and meant something it felt like every song really had like a meaning behind it and uh it was a statement that was trying to be made so overall i would say i think this is a very solid foo fighters record yes so for people who are unfamiliar with foo fighters beyond dave grohl because he's kind of like the person people think of this is a six-piece band it's bassist nate mandel guitarist pat smear guitarist chris shiflett uh keyboard player rami jaffe who's been playing with the band for about 15 years and actually i misspoke it was a six-piece band it is now a five-piece band with a touring drummer dave Grohl played all the drums on this album um this album was recorded after the death of taylor hawkins so this is the first album that dave Grohl has handled all the drum duties since uh the color and the shape which came out 1997 26 years ago um and he is known as you know the nirvana drummer so hearing him back in the drum chair you can hear his playing um taylor hawkins had a similar style to dave Grohl hard-hitting, really driving, really inspired by Queen and Neil Peart and other smashers. Um, so Dave Grohl is back to playing a lot of the guitars, doing 
all the vocals besides some harmony stuff and playing all the drums. Uh, this album, I think you guys mentioned the production style. This is the, I think the third album that they have worked with Greg Kirsten in a row. Um, so I think that this is kind of like their guy for the time being, at least, uh, this album production wise to me sounded like a little overly heavy bassy. Um, and that may be because like, I assume there's some like keyboard bass played by Rami and bass played by Nate Mandel. Um, or maybe it's just like that's modern rock production is now like they have three guitarists. So maybe you balance out three guitar parts with having just kind of this like thuddy bass there's some cleaned up like cool bass moments on a couple of songs but overall i felt like this album especially with headphones was like ooh, a little skull crushing when it came to the bass um the songwriting i think on this album is very strong this is a band that all writes songs together so who knows what who writes what um i think interestingly it's a one of the three guitar bands so the arrangements and who plays lead lines or who doubles the bass up an octave or who plays solos or chords uh it gives a nice wash in all these songs. Like it's very fleshed out. Dave Grohl, the double vocals, um, like Mike said, you love it or you hate it. It's like very much like inspired by John Lennon and all the Kurt Cobain. Nirvana's Nevermind. Right. Right. So um, I think Dave Grohl has good range. I I usually think he has good range too because he does a lot of like scream singing. He does some whisper type singing. He does some like kind of, soft crooning um all over this album which is typical of other Foo Fighters releases uh my Foo Fighter background is like I would go see them live because I love like 30 songs over their 11 albums um there are a couple that I really love the albums but overall like I am a greatest hits Foo Fighters guy and I, I will say out of bands from the past like 30 years they are like one of the strongest I think they would put on like the best two and a half hour show um, they sell stadiums for a reason. And there are some like anthems on this album that I think are going to be like concert classics for them, uh, including the the opener. I think it, it right away is like clears the dust off of this. Like the band was going to die because Taylor died. Like it starts charging out of the gates with this huge song rescued, which I could see like a whole stadium singing. Yeah. And um, as somebody who's forced to listen to classic rock radio um, all day at work, um, rescued fits in with their new singles. It's, and it's, it's charging. I, I really love, love it. It comes back like right into the classic canon and you're right. It's a good shout out. I love how it did start the record on like a more of like a positive, like Mm kind of like no, um, and that's another thing I liked about this too. It's not just all one noted of grief. It's like all the forms of grief, like happy grief. And th- like that first song is really classic Foo Fighters, great chargey anthem. Um, even the second song under you, oh, um, yeah. which I think is like, you know, kind of, it has like monkey wrench vibes, exactly. but yeah. it's yeah. not monkey yeah, wrench. Exactly. Um, it ha- it's yeah. different. And I, I love that one. He's like, I, I where am I going to come out under your shadow? Yeah. Like, you know, and that is the I think the writing strong point, which I think is like was their weakest point. Mm-hmm. Foo Fighters writing on the past couple records, mm-hmm. Medicine at Midnight, Concrete and Gold. Um, it really just wasn't doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And then these songs, full of like feeling and like mm-hmm. uh and life to them, and I I love that. Like given a fast like Foo Fighters song, like they're all fifty and they're like you know really like chugging through it. Yeah. I love that. It was it was really cool. Yeah, they give you a good sort of balance, I think, too. So if you go on to the next track, like Hearing Voices, this is like dark, twisty, turny, moody guitar sort of thing where they do 
the verse is sort of like in this minor key, but then they then they bring it up to kind of like a major key during the chorus. You know, what a weird shift, right? It was it was a strange yeah, shift. Yeah. Um, this actually, this song has one of my favorite parts in it, and will lead me to one of my criticisms of this. Like we said before, the double of vocals thing, it is a love it or hate it thing. I am more camp of hating it, if I'm being completely honest. I don't hate it. It's just not my favorite thing in the world. Uh, this song, Hearing Voices, ends with sort of this raw vocal in a room with a guitar and a piano. And it's kind of like less processed sounding. And I just loved that. And I felt like that sort of thing, not that exactly, because that's clearly like its kind of own thing. Um, but like in the song The Glass, which I think is a fantastically written song. I think it's a great sounding song. But I I found that the doubled up vocal in the verse, not the chorus, because in the chorus it gets a little bit bigger and the doubled up vocal works, right? But in the verse of The Glass, I would have liked maybe just the single vocal take with a little bit more of the room in it just to give a little bit more sort of vulnerability in the way that the song itself sounds. That's not a knock on the song because, like I said, I think that song is a very, very well-written song, and I, I do really, really enjoy it. But that's sort of an area where I feel like I, I have a hard time connecting with it. Some people love it, but with me, it's just I, I had a hard time with the doubled-up vocal work, uh, you know. But in contrast, like the song The Teacher, mm -hmm. he's not doing, voc doing double-up vocals in unison. He's doing it in octaves, mm -hmm. and I and I think in octaves it works better for my ear anyway. Like I I like the octave, you you know, uh, double up vocal, but the unison double up vocal sometimes just gets me a little like. Ugh, uh, I wanted to ask Jeff. Jeff, what did you think about the epic song, "The Teacher," on on later uh, on the later end of this album, which is probably about his mother, who was a teacher. Yeah. So the teacher, um, it's a ten minute prog rock epic um going into like before this album was even put together they were thinking of following up minutes to midnight with a prog rock album so it made me think like were parts of this song suite which has like multiple sections were parts of them written with taylor in the band taylor was a, a, a singer and a songwriter so it's possible i saw as a very uh appropriate tribute to terrell hawkins specifically because he was such a fan of prog rock music the the rush genesis queens like crazy blown out stuff so i thought it was like an appropriate send-off of like talk about love and grief and loss and how life teaches you to get through certain things. Um, it ends with like these scream sung goodbyes, goodbye, goodbye. And then all this like digital noise cloud comes in the last 20 seconds. It um, turns into like a low song, right? Yeah. Is that that band that does yeah, a lot of yeah. that? So I, I thought it was like very appropriate that it was like, to me, that was like the Taylor eulogy was that song. And then that's the penultimate track. And then the closer, which is the song rest, was a very clear like eulogy for Virginia Grohl, Dave Grohl's mother. Um, it ends with like the line like "I'll see you again in the Virginia sun," um, and another song where starts off lo-fi vocals, guitar, um, maybe a little piano. Oh no, no, no piano. And then halfway through, this wall of yeah, keyboard drone with like kind of a marching snare thing for the last minute and a half. Um, rest, you can rest now. Rest, you will be safe now. Um, yeah, I thought those were the two most like on the nose, like tributes to the former member, 22, 23 years in the band or whatever. And 
the supportive mother who was like behind this rock and roll dream. Um, musically for that ten for that ten minute song, I'm not a prog rock guy, so it's like, well, I can see the 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 wall Pink Floyd elements of this. I can see the Genesis stuff. I can see the Rush stuff. I can appreciate it, and I like elements of it. But like you tell me, we're about to throw on a ten minute prog rock song. I'm like. Okay. Which is, but I I actually did like it because I did like like mm. the three minute section and then the minute in the in the center where things were like cascading and this like jo 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 like the yeah. hits were like separated. It has this like dreamy middle part. I mean, I almost wish it's all they, over the place, but in the appropriate it, way, I guess. Right. I I wish they would. Um, my only thing is I wish they would maybe put it earlier in the album. Maybe like yeah, check. seven. Maybe? Challenge the listener a little bit. Yeah. Put it like track four, man. Like oh, really, you know what I'm saying though. Like yeah, really yeah. challenge because I think it was yeah. such a great song. Yeah. And like the two very poignant pieces, mm. they fit great on the album end. Like yeah. let's not get it twisted. That's right. still a great spot on the album. But um, I'm here. For, I'm like or, or give me the teacher as the album opener. Like you know, rip, oh. rip it, rip it. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Oh um, yeah, like a side one. Just because I was right like, this is really cool. And yeah. for a Foo Fighters song, like Foo Fighters really aren't ripping out like ten minuters all the time. Yeah. So it was like for me, I was like, oh, this is very interesting to me. And I would, I, I, yeah. I kind of liked. I wanted to like you know, I, I could have seen it, it as, as if we're reordering track listings or whatever. Like. Maybe if you just slotted the teacher after the glass, yes. close that side, and then open the next side with the kind of danciest, funkiest song, nothing at all, which has the like funk guitar stabs and stuff. But yeah, like, but I, I like it. I like I like thing. the two like tribute songs as the last two songs because yeah. it, you know, it does close out yeah. the record very yeah. very well. Favorite and favorite songs though, I love the glass. Yeah, I wrote it's like a dark Tom Petty song. Yeah, like right, even it right. has that mu- short like Mike Campbell meets Brian May type of yeah. guitar solo. Oh, is that the, yeah. also the song that had that baritone in it? That no, you no, were no, no, that, that is the song. Show me how that he does with his daughter. That's, that's my that's, other favorite song. Yeah, that baritone that yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bow, which is Pat bow, Smear bow, usually bow. doing the baritone yeah. stuff. Yeah, show me how uh, I l- yeah. loved the tone of his daughter's voice with his voice. Violet Grohl, yes, yeah. so great. Um. And and interweaving harmonies and yeah. I'm like super cool. I'm like, do this more. Even if her voice yeah. is like more of an understated part of the song, that's yeah. like you can't really yeah. do it. It sounds it's like Billie great. Eilish meets garbage. Yeah, because it has this yeah. like super sick drum beat the whole time. Yes, but it's like these waves of kind of chorused out, almost like surf guitar, like wa- wa- washes of. Yeah, I love I love the tone of that yeah. guitar too. Uh, especially towards the beginning yeah. of that. That's Super another cool. one though too, where I think the double up vocal sounds so cool because it's it's because you have a harmony two of going because it's yeah. the two of them together right. and uh, yeah. But I love. Yeah. I thought that was just such a great song too, just to have the father and the daughter singing together. Uh, yeah. yeah, nothing at all was great too. That Queens of the Stone Age vibe. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what, man. I, but even but here we are. I have an asterisk next to that one because oh, the seven four song. Yeah, yeah, the seven. Yeah, you know what yeah. I'm saying. I was like, oh, cool. Oh, they're doing some subdividing here. Yeah, oh, yeah. cool. And then the and then the chorus is in goes four, four yeah. and then it goes back to yeah, the yeah. seven. And I like, I was like, oh, okay. how about those drum fills? Oh yeah. Well, like the super compressed, day, like this is Day of Grohl yeah. drumming out his anger and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of that song, especially. Yeah. yeah. Um. I thought too, like you know, like you said it, but not- notably on all these songs too, it's very much Dave Grohl playing drums and not mm. Taylor Hawkins playing yeah. drums. Just different stylistic choices. I don't yeah. know, like Dave Grohl just has his own like poundy feeling, yeah, and yeah. you feel like it's a, it's a, it's a definitely a like a shift in the band. You can tell. 
Yeah. Yeah. Taylor um, Hawkins was very much like I will play the drum part perfectly, and Dave Grohl kind of plays drums like he wrote the song around the drum part. Correct. Yes. Mm. Yes, like, yes. 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 Because sure. Taylor's smashing on all of the stuff he recorded. But it is more subtle, and it is more part of the texture. Right. Mm. And I think, Dave, Dave, I think it's part of the grief thing is, like, I'm going to go in the studio, I'm going to, like, rip this shit up to pay tribute or, you know, yeah. whatever. I, uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm a fan of it. I, I like this record, and yeah. it, I think it was the Foo Fighters record that they, they needed to make yeah. regardless of yeah. what happened. Um, yeah. The album I had to be good. Um, You've heard me railing for good Foo Fighters albums on the show. So, yeah. Um, I, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, the one the one negative thing I saw in a bunch of reviews. I try not to read reviews when we are doing a review, but it's like people are like, "Well, it's good, but this is a lot of grief, a lot of emotions, and like, I wish these guys like would get back to rocking again, like no. on on my hero stuff." It's like these are fifty three year old men yeah. who like just lost a best friend of twenty five years. These aren't twenty seven year old guys be like. Let's go to MTV. Like it's yeah, just right. very different light, like goals of your art. Sure. So I thought this like what they were trying to do. I think they did fully. I think this has great songs that are going to be in the rotation at their concerts. Um, and I think this was a great like tribute and send off to like some people that were so important to this band's history. Agreed. Um, ratings. How ratings. do we feel? How do we feel? How do we feel? Um, I'm going to go that. This is a seven five for me. Um, really solid. Again, like you know, just it's not my favorite production style. Wish there was more air in the room. Much more fan of uh, Butch Vig, uh, wasting wasting light uh, from two thousand eleven. But I'm here for it. The songwriting content is the best they've done since Wasting Light. So I'm here for this all day. Um, seven five. I love this record. Great modern rock. Foo Fighters. Yeah, I'm going to go with Luke 2. I'm going to give this a 7.5. I think with the exception of the last two tracks, this record kind of sounds to me like the Foo Fighters just released a best of of songs that have never been released before. Like, I just, I think everyone's a heavy hitter. You know, the double of vocal, like I said, not totally my flavor, but I don't think that that takes away from their songwriting, uh, like, on the whole. And, uh, yeah, 7.5 for me. Uh, I'm gonna say this is a 8.5 for me. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It is not a super fun listen, but there are some songs that have a lot of light. And if you want to listen to a band like working through their emotions and like coming to terms with how are we gonna proceed, like I think this is a great overall statement. Well, there you have it, folks. Were we right? Were we wrong? How do you feel? Let us know in the comments below. And then, as always, don't forget to like and comment and subscribe. Rate us on all that stuff. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. <laughs>